so I am with Jim Crawford, also known as Twinbeard, part of Twinbeard Studios. Is Twinbeard Studios just yourself or is it you and some other creative type people? It's pretty much just me. Sometimes I pull in the help of friends, but it's it's mostly just myself. Um, and how long have, have Twinbeard Studios been going? Um, I came up with that name for things, name for my, stuff I do in maybe 2009. And I've been, I've been making games for quite a while, but I started putting them up in places people might actually notice them around 2009 when I started making things in Flash and... Yeah, that was the name I chose for the uh, the for the for the brand, so to speak. Okay. Um, now, uh, mainly we're going to talk about Frog Fractions, but I do want to talk about some of your other games as well. They're all up and available at http colon dash slash slash twinbeardstudios.com slash games. Yeah, um, I actually recently got a hold of the twinbeard.com domain, so you can just use that too. Twinbeard.com. Excellent. Okay, that's even easier. Uh, now, one of the things uh, I did want to do, because um, people may be surprised about this, but I think it's only fair if we're going to talk about Frog Fractions to issue a spoiler warning. Um, important. Yeah, because I think people should, before they listen to the rest of this interview, go and play Frog Fractions through, um, because I want to talk about all of it, um, and it is a game that uh, perhaps surprises as much as entertains would that be fair i, I would say maybe even more so <laughs> so um you uh, you said to me on email uh, this week um and i should say that uh, due to my own idiocy my complete in incapability of understanding international time zones this interview's taken rather more organization than it should have done thankfully <laughs> Thankfully, you understand the difficult concept that we are uh, eight hours apart, um, and that means that this interview is actually on a different day for each of us. Uh, so, yeah, to let listeners in, I actually got up uh, 24 hours early to do this interview yesterday, like a chump. Uh, Jim tried to accommodate, but that like I made you get up early in the morning twice in a row. It's terrible. No, no, in, entirely my fault. Um, I'm, a, I'm a very parochial Englishman who who fails to understand that there is a world beyond, you know, this uh, green scepter dial or whatever uh, romantic thing we're supposed to call it. Um, I'm very typical of you. <laughs> so, but here we are, thankfully. Um, I became aware of Frog Fractions, I guess, not even a month ago now. Um, I think what happened was it started to get talked about on the giant bombcast yeah uh and not only did it start to get talked about on the giant bombcast but it came up repeatedly in their infamous uh, extremely long uh, every year game of the year discussions possibly even arriving in at least one or two of their top 10 games of the year was this uh, a surprise to you news to you i yeah i i had um they were actually one of the, the I'm I'm a big fan of the Idle Thumbs guys and of the Giant yeah. Bomb guys. Those are the two gaming podcasts I listen to most, and yeah. um, they both ended up mentioning Frog Fractions, which was super, you know, super super fulfilling to me. But Giant Bomb apparently they played it a while before, but they never really brought it up on their podcast until the Game of the Year discussion. So that was a surprise to me. What was your question again? Sorry. Um, yeah, just was it a surprise that um, sort of, you know, these big famous podcasts um, were kind of talking about 
what you'd put out there as you know a flash game that these these kind of games now the the, the philosophy on our podcast Kane and Rince is that all games are treated equally regardless of file size or delivery mechanism um, yeah. a game is a game is a game and should be you know the the creators put his heart and soul into it generally whatever you know in whichever way it comes out and I think certain kind of delivery mechanisms including web web browser games are often kind of disregarded unfairly but these days as shown in frog fractions uh, you can put out something you know incredibly uh, sophisticated and creative on on flash oh yeah and the uh, specifically dealing with the giant bomb podcast you they actually got a lot of flack from their user base yeah attention to a, a flash game which I mean I I can I understand that perception and in fact I was taking advantage of um, one of the, uh, you know, Pod- Frog Fractions is a game about subversion of expectations in part. And mm. one of the expectations you have is that, or the ex- in part, the expectations you have come from, from the fact that this is a Flash game. And Flash games are usually simple, like, waste time for 20 minutes sort of deals. Yeah. What's the, um, I've played through Frog Fractions uh more than once and played through there thankfully it has a chapter select as well so you can just dive straight back into your favorite sections um yeah. unfortunately i was also i'm also battling with a terrible pc so there was a certain amount of lag and stuff on it but uh that's uh that's my problem not yours um i was one of those chumps who uh i had to have it pointed out what you had to do to continue the game uh so uh at, yeah. at, it's always frustrating. I mean, I feel like the game is the, the reveal is a lot more powerful if you discover it on your own. Yes, yeah. But it's also one of those things where uh, a lot of people just won't. And this is uh, kind of a failing on my part because I feel like I could have designed it better as a puzzle if I were a better designer. A lot of people, a lot of the testers who discovered it, they discovered it purely by accident. Yeah, yeah. It just held down for too long. Mm. And I that was that's one of the things that I I would love to be able to go back and work on some more. Um, but yeah, that's a thing where oh, I, I actually I forget where I was going with that. What was go on? No, that's cool. It's probably my waffling questions that are to blame as much as anything. Um, so when did Frog Fractions come out? Was it October? Did you say around then or earlier? Yeah, I, I, as I recall, it was October twenty fourth that I actually decided time to call this thing out because it had been making the rounds on twitter for a while like a day or maybe maybe 12 hours before i said you know what i'd better just say it's out and officially release it so my friends can like my friends can tell their friends about it instead of like everybody but my friends because i told them it's not out yet right i'm I'm, you know don't don't tell people about this um so i kind of accidentally released it um and that was that was late october and it immediately got uh, a lot of attention on social networking. Yeah, um, that was uh, what happened. Was that Brandon Sheffield tweeted about it, and um, uh-huh. he's got a pretty robust network. And uh, it was it, it kind of blew up on Twitter. And um, yeah, yeah, it was it was really fascinating to watch the um, the memetic arc. You know, the virality happen from mm. the inside. Never. I'd never really paid attention to, you know, step by step to the the um, 
cultural understanding, the zeitgeist of it, any any particular game. So yeah. with so, so much attention to detail, just because it was so interesting to me, because it was my own project. Um, and so that 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 actually led to kind of a skewed perception of how popular it was. Like I, I was immersed in that in that reaction for weeks. Yeah, and I really had no idea. Like, is it really just three people talking about it? And obviously, it wasn't literally three people because I could see a number of their names. But I wasn't sure if it was as big as I was thinking it was mm. just because I, I had no sense of scale. And uh, you were saying to me on email that um, like even this week you've had several requ- several more requests, including me to, to talk about the game. So it's like the, the, the buzz continues. The, um, oddly enough, nobody really wanted to interview me when it blew up. Everybody wanted to interview me when it blew up the second time, which wasn't as big uh, when giant bomb, um, started talking about it so that right. was the um that was the little the mini explosion that led to all these interviews that i'm having over the over the past week or so um before that i had had i was on i think one podcast and i'd done a a couple of email interviews uh the first one was john paulson of indiegames.com and that guy uh I, I in both in all those cases they were people who knew me or, or not knew me but knew people who knew me so they were all apparently waiting for to get an in uh, to um, talk to the mysterious Frog Fractions developer who nobody knows. <laughs> um, I was right there on Twitter, you know. I was following half those guys. Yeah. So it was weird to me that they they seem seemed to uh, to think they needed to you know have a, some sort of uh, an in to talk to me. Are you going to be happy being known as the Frog Fractions guy or the Frog Fractions dude? Is that something you're comfortable I- with? I can live with that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. You know, that's, uh, I'm still proud of it. So it's, uh, oh, it should be, I, I feel like I'm probably going to be sick of it in five years when I've made my, when I've made my true masterpiece and everybody still knows me as the frog fractions guy, but <laughs> yeah, for now, I, I think, I think it's great. Um, yeah. So that spoiler, um, is to do with the controls effectively. So this is a flash game. Um, yep. and, uh, you start off, uh, pretty much just clicking the mouse, uh, and you are in control of a frog on a lily pad. So, you know, little more about this and ostensibly this is, um, a Trojan, uh, piece of, um, entertainment stroke art, if I may use that term, um, uh, disguised as edutainment software. Could, could you just break that down for me again into the individual words and explain? what you mean entertainment stroke art well i think you know there's that uh yeah i suppose i just mean that um it's a game that has uh more it's more to it than just pure entertainment oh oh sorry i think this is a, a cultural um a cultural thing Do you, by stroke is that the same thing as slash <laughs> slash yes yeah, sorry that's uh, I'm, I'm failing yeah, I, to um localize myself I've never heard that one. Okay. Yeah, it sounds a bit um, saucy, I suppose, when you when you okay, put it no, that way. Slash. I, I agree with your assessment in that case. <laughs> so um, after uh, sucking up bugs on your lily pad as uh, as this frog, um, after a f- uh, between levels, you get the option to buy power ups in in a in a way that you've seen in in many video games. Um, and then uh, at, at some point on the screen, once you've unlocked the ability to move about, move your lily pad about. Later, you, you become able to, as well as suck up more uh, bugs and stuff with a static tongue and a lock-on mechanism, which is, you know, these are all funny gags in themselves. 
um, suddenly the controls WASD appear on the screen. And that's the point where the game starts to unfold. That is the reveal, as you put it. Yeah, so my what, what those upgrades, pretty much all the upgrades I had intended to um, significantly change the game. Um, so, for example, the lock on targeting, you no longer need to aim. And that that's the that was the entire game up, up until that point was aiming your tongue at bugs. Yeah. Uh, uh, with the um, the static cling tongue, you're basically eating the entire screen at once. So at that point, there's basically no there's almost no game at all. That you're <laughs> but it's um, still fun. <laughs> right. Well, it's, it's fun specifically because it's so overpowered. Yeah. Um, and that's one of those things where like that's fun. It's it would probably it's fun for a couple of minutes, but it's not sustainable fun. Um, which is why you know it keeps changing it up. Um, yeah, and then and the uh, when you get the dragon, it um, that changes the game again because you are being shot at, and suddenly it's a shmup, basically. Yeah, yeah, and and the rest of the game was kind of the natural extension of this um, thought process of how do I keep adding upgrades that change the game. Yeah, and they certainly do that. Um, the game is changed beyond recognition on several occasions. Um, right. So and also the the screen is full with sort of um, bizarre screen furniture, I suppose you could call it strange uh, arcane scoring systems and 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 um, fi- a financial <laughs> sort of element, a fiscal element, and you've right. you've you've got Zorkmids and you've got a, a, a fractions based score, and and you're you're kind of thinking if you go into this blind, you're thinking, okay, am I really learning fractions here? Because I don't think I am. Um, right. <laughs> and it generally you feel quite sort of confused yeah and that's that's all intentional that was um one of my dirty little secrets during the about the development of frog fraction is, is that is that um for a couple of months i actually had in there a very explicit tutorial system that oh. told you how everything in the game worked and what to do next mm. um and it wasn't until Tim Ambrogi playtested it. He was the he's been a friend of mine, um, and he was the lead on um, the lead programmer and one of the designers on Jamestown. Oh, so he's yeah. had his own success, um, which was fun to watch. Um, but he he um, when I, when he playtested it, he refused to read anything, uh, um, which turned out to be a great idea. And I think he was just kind of you know I, I think he was just doing that because. Um, it's a useful position for a playtester to take and because he didn't feel like reading as opposed to what he claimed, which is that he wasn't capable of it. Um, but what he told me after he had, he took half an hour to discover the pond, even after getting the diving helmet upgrade, <laughs> um, uh, he, um, he told me that discovering underwater was when you finally, like when you get the turtle or the dragon and you dive beneath the surface of the water and, discovered that's not the end of this end of the world after all even though the game has been telegraphing it to you in so many ways that it is yeah. um, he said that it was like uh discovering that the candle could burn bushes and undercover secrets in the legend of zelda um mm. Mm. which is one of those moments in video games that it, that's that's the kind of thing i live for for like yeah suddenly the world is opened up to you and you, you it's much more vast than you thought it could be yeah um and that was when I realized I could do that sort of thing with my game, which uh, I, I just I dove into that head first. You know, it was uh, I jumped on the chance to make that sort of thing. Um, have you sort of um, most flash games, as you say, tend to be quite 
limited in scope. Uh, you know, they tend to be on on one screen or background. Not not always. Um, there are there are definitely exceptions. But is programming a game that straddles so many gameplay styles and genres a challenge to do in Flash? Uh, just um, no, because I mean, it, not not in Flash specifically, because um, Flash is uh, it's a a fairly robust virtual machine these days. It's a lot more performant than it used to be, although it's still software rendered, which is which is why you were getting that chugging you were getting. Um, I'm yeah. imagining that was the underwater section. Um, uh, but mainly, actually, when there were a lot of bugs and bullets on screen, in a, uh, which made it quite authentic to you know classic Japanese shoot 'em ups with slowdown. Right. So <laughs> different than I expected. Okay, um, but uh, the the RAM usage for Frog Fractions, I'm I'm really ashamed of this. Where like if you if you open <laughs> up uh, a your process list and you look at uh you look at Flash, it's taking up like by the end of it, it's half a gig of RAM. Wow, which okay. is unacceptable. I mean, except that it's perfectly acceptable and no one notices. Yeah. But, but as a as a developer, like I was really ashamed of that, and you know, it was one <laughs> of those things. Like, I could take another month out of the development time, and make it so that it has perfectly reasonable RAM usage, and no one would ever notice. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, that it, it goes to show you how like, how computers are really powerful these days, and even when you're doing a, a virtual machine, even when you're doing something that used to be quite limited, um, like like Flash used to be quite limited. It's gotten a lot, but it's gotten a lot more powerful. Specifically, Flash has, than also computers have. And these days, the um, the main reason you see Flash games being limited is mostly just that people expect them to be. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, I, and also, there's file, there's download size, so. Frog Fractions actually is, is I think, 17 megabytes, um, hmm. which is fairly large Flash game because it's it's one of those things where when people load a Flash game, they want it to load quickly. Yeah. Because it's edited in a web page. Um, and Frog Fractions, is it, I've seen it take minutes to load on slow um, on slow connections. Yeah. And so that's, uh, that's a, a thing where people can lose patience. It's a barrier, really yeah. Yeah. Yeah, as I'm somebody who's got pretty fra- fast broadband, but a pretty slow PC. So I'm looking, for, so it, it loads instantly. But then I've got this uh, slow, chuggy version because I'm working with three gig of RAM and an old graphics card or whatever. Um, yeah. or I guess the graphics card is irrelevant. But um, yeah, I'm this looking a, forward. This is more for me than for your listeners. But um, when you were in the underwater section, yeah, did you have performance issues? Was it was it were you moving slower than usual? Uh, probably yes. Thinking about it. Um, Generally, it was it was kind of lurching every few frames or whatever. Yeah, so it okay. felt kind of sticky. Yeah, uh, which is a shame. Um, that sucks, and especially because that section is already paced so you know it, it's paced slowly. Yeah, of course, it's, it's an underwater. So, but yeah. right, right, and well, it's also just trying to set a mood. And yeah. mm. if it's slower than that, uh, um, it's just kind of painful. And and I know of people who like tried to play. They stopped playing the game at that point because a they didn't have sound on, so they weren't getting half of the mood. Ah, uh, no, you got to have sound on. Yeah, yeah. And b they they were running it at half speed, so it was taking twice as long to cross the screen as it should have. Yeah, I do, I suppose you know that you start to get into thoughts of you know do I put a message up somewhere so, uh, before you start playing, saying close other browser windows or stuff like that. But it's all kind of a bit. 
it's not not what what the game's about, I suppose, really. Right, right. Yeah, there was a. I have a rhythm game in there. Um, yeah, oh, of course, yeah. Spoiling it, um, and I actually coded up a lag calibration screen so you could <laughs> so you could like sync it up with your monitor and your speakers so that everything timed that was timed right. And then yep. I realized. If I have a lag calibrate, that's totally going to ruin the timing of the joke. Yeah, like, yeah. And I ended up just not using it. And, and like, I, I imagine a lot of people are having lousy Dance Dance Revolution experiences. Um, yeah, I'm afraid I had to button bash my way through that section because of my issues. Right, right. But it, but it does allow you to do that at least, so I didn't get stuck there. Because, I'm, I mean, I'm actually pretty decent at rhythm games. Um, so that was frustrating to me because I wanted to play it properly, you know. That's uh, too so um, let's talk about some of the influences in the game. I spotted a f- quite a few um, as a veteran gamer. Um, I thought of uh, Magical Drop and Typing of the Dead and Salamander and Star Fox, Radiant Silver Guns, obviously there, Gradius, Phoenix Wright, Monkey Island, any number of text adventures, a bit of Pokemon, a bit of Mario, and as you say, a bit of Dance Dance Revolution, and countless more genre tropes are acknowledged. Yep. Um, is, this, uh, is this loving homage to the medium of the video game from you? Uh, what was it? sorry? Can you rephrase that? Is that like is 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 you put, uh, is this a case of you enjoying um, showing your affection for video games? Oh yeah, I would say so. Um, at, I, the what some of my friends and this is at least three of my friends that friends have described Frog Fractions as uh, autobiographical. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they were saying that that playing this game is what it's like to hang out with me. Um, <laughs> and from my perspective, making this game was kind of what it was like to grow up being me. Um, where these are, these are all games that resonated with me in my youth. Like even the ones that I didn't like, I put in because, you know, they resonate with me because they're a part of my childhood. Um, yeah. And I would say there's a lot of homage in there. Um, but that wasn't, and I, I think, think that's probably inevitable, but that wasn't a deliberate part of what I was thinking, except in the case of, um, actually, even that, it wasn't exactly what I was thinking. What I was thinking for the text adventure was that I wanted to force feed people a text adventure to make them realize they like it. Um, and um, it, it, I, it actually did work in some cases where people said, hey, I'm going to go play. I, I love this. I'm going to play another text adventure now. Mm. I never realized I could enjoy that. Um, which was one of the things I was trying to do. And of course, because I wasn't careful enough to like specify, okay, okay now go play these particular ones. They probably went and played Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Which like the, the worst possible text adventure to go to when you're new at it. Yes, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm uh, 40 years of age, so I grew up in, in the 8-bit era with uh, text adventures. So, um, you know, there's a certain amount of nostalgia attached to that. But I guess a lot of people playing Frog Fractions are considerably younger than me and they won't have really have the experience with the genre. Um, and it is a very specific thing, playing a text adventure, very different to anything that there is now. Yeah, yeah. It is uh, it is a very specific skill set and it takes a, it's a, a fairly... I mean, I, I made this one particularly easy and I tried to make it I tried to um, to make it learnable, but mm. uh, and I think a lot of people did pick it up. But I, I actually watched a tester learn how to play text adventures by playing this text adventure. But 
he was a programmer, so I don't know if he counts. <laughs> Different mindset to the rest of us. Right. So I know a lot of testers just went to a walkthrough, which, you know, if you, that's fine. I, I realized that like, this was the, this is going to be the, um, except like once you're past the pond, that, that game is going to be the, that mini game is going to be the biggest barrier. Um, yeah. Or, uh, for people to get through. And I think a lot of people did quit on it. And I think a lot of people did go to the walkthrough for it. Mm. And at that point, like I'm okay with both of those things. Like if you want to quit there, you're not quitting where you think the game is just this dumb th little thing that you don't understand why people care about it. Yeah. You've seen the, the, you've seen the, the meat of the game at that point. True. Yes. Uh, but you don't get to see bug porn, which is right. a shame. Which I, I'm, I am actually really proud of the immediate payoff for finishing the text adventure. I think that sequence, um, with the human and with the, uh, uh the, West Wing intro sequence is probably the best part of the game. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, I, this begs the question, it's an obvious question, but uh, when did you get the idea for Frog Fractions and, and what were you doing? Did it all come at once in a rush? No, it did not. It was over the course of about a year. Um, I started, I, I guess it was... Seven, September of the year prior, so September of 2011 or so, mm -hmm. that uh, um, a friend of mine, Rachel Sala, who was one of the artists in the game, came to me and she said, hey, Jim, I've got, um, I was going to make this Missile Command clone with my brother. Here's some art for it. He flaked out on the coding. Do you want to make this game with me? Um, and I looked at the art and it was like, oh, these are some neat bug animations and there's a frog. And I, I sure I can make a game out of this. Um, yeah. I spent the next couple of months working on a missile command clone and trying to make that fun, trying to figure out how, how to make, how do I elaborate on the missile command idea, um, in a way that, that does new, new and interesting things. And that, that turns out to be really hard. I, um, I did a lot of research and, um, I looked at, you know, I think there was an official unreleased sequel and there are a number of of clones out there and none of them really feel like they are m the essence of missile command they all no feel that's like true different. they all feel like they're doing they're going in a different direction with it and not and losing what was great about the original um and i ended up doing the same thing where i i decided i can't i, I cannot figure out how to make this um sustainably fun like like i tried a bunch of experiments and they were all fun for a little bit but they weren't fun for um, more than a few minutes at a time. And that was when I started putting the each of the different experiments basically became an upgrade. Oh, um, okay, right. And I, when I was thinking about how do I, you know, how do I move on from here? What, what, what else could I do? I thought about, oh, I could add in a, a bunch of other games that like you could fly off into space. And, and I think... Um, when I showed it to Tim, it was just, you know, it was um, the pond and flying off into space. And then I think I jumped straight from there into the courtroom scene and then Dance, Dance Revolution. I think that was the whole thing at that point. And the process for the next year or so um, after I realized I wanted to do that was just I would code up something in a frenzy thinking, oh, man, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to show it to my friends this weekend and I, I show it to my friends 
and they're you know they they're either really amused by it or they, they uh, don't think it's that great and I either I, I I fix it if they don't think it's that great or if they're amused by it we usually have a conversation where like they'll say oh yeah and then this should happen and they come they give me their idea is um and it was just a year of me sitting in a room with people saying wouldn't it be cool if mm, mm. yeah that really comes actually across. that happened. yeah um and and I spent I, I throughout my life I've been having those ideas and I've been hearing people have those ideas and they're always cool like cool ideas where like wouldn't it be cool if um but usually people don't would actually put those things into practice and I think that's kind of what frog fractions is is just that idea uh the idea of like taking all your your crazy ideas and your friends crazy ideas and just kind of mashing them into a single game mm. and that that was really that that's how frog fractions happened it was and notably like i wasn't working on it solid for that whole year i was i probably spent three months of man hours on it um, um but i do think that i needed to spend the whole year just thinking about it in the back of my head to really make what make it what it was and find what it was and find the fun find the uh the the moment of discovery you know yeah it's rare um you know it's it's very hard to be funny in the medium of video games i think and frog fractions manages a, a, an incredibly high laugh to time ratio i would suggest uh I, th I, thanks to well-timed gags i was did you have a do you want to finish that or no that's cool go ahead uh, yeah so i i I feel like I have um, a couple of superpowers in this regard, and one is um, that I'm a programmer designer. So I'm, I'm, I'm I was basically working alone. I had artist friends and musician friends, um, but I was basically making this project all by myself, and so I had very precise control over everything. Uh, and usually, what happens when people try to make funny games is that they hire a funny writer, and then that's it. Mm. You know, you put some text in the game, and there's no attention paid at all to timing or to trying to make funny mechanics or to um funny events in the game um and you know an exception to this for example is portal 2 where if you look at the making of material you can find about that they actually had the writers sitting there with the script with a scripter like pushing forward the the dialogue like let's let's mm. hear that 10 milliseconds earlier you know yeah, and if that's funnier. Um, and the fact that I I had complete control over everything because it was such a small project that I that was feasible for a single person to do. I think that was important. And the other thing that I think is important is that um I have this superpower where I can find the same joke funny over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Most people can't do that. Most people they hear it once and they're sick of it. And for me, like if I think something funny the first time. I'll probably think it's funny the next 20 times. Right. So you can work on your own game without it becoming stale to you. Right. I can, like, my one of my favorite parts is when the, the when you're the human um, and the bugs come down at you and you suddenly, you realize you're fucked. Um, and I spent quite a while tuning, like, how fast, should, when should the bugs start, like, really coming down? How fast should they come down? How fast should they spawn? Like, what is the funniest? <laughs> yeah. Uh, rate and realize you're fucked, you know, and the, <laughs> uh, the dude comes on screen and he says, hey, watch out, they're eating your fruit. Like, 
like what's the best timing for that like and i could test all those things by just playing that part of the game over and over again and most people like after they got the joke once they the, they they could make a tweak and say well it's not as funny now but is that because it's worse or because i already got the joke mm. uh i can find it funny over and over again and and say whether it's better or worse and then make changes accordingly and if you're not if you don't have that power and if you don't have a tester or if you don't have a tester who has that power i don't know what you do if you're trying to make a funny game um one of the funny bits i wanted to ask you about is uh the history of boxing, the story of Andre Felipe and his son, Andre Felipe Felipe, um, which, uh, again, without spoiling it too much, tells the story of how the sport of boxing evolved from a, a merely conversational pastime into the modern sport that we know. Um, it's really uh, extremely funny, well written, uh, invoke Monty Python for me. Um, has a, a, a kind of uh, English accented sounding dude doing the reading? Uh, I actually don't know Kumar's accent. What happened was I, I put out the call on Twitter saying, hey, which of you guys has the most exotic accent? Okay. And I phrased it like that because I thought it was, I thought it was funny to like, because no one's going to say they ha- think their own accent is exotic. But Yeah, yeah. But he was the one who, um, who responded saying, me, 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 all my friends say I have the best accent. And I, I you know, it turned out great. He, yeah. uh he, he he got the he got he nailed it in the reading he he I, I only had to ask him for a couple of revisions and um those were mostly just sound quality things where he was like well I'll go get a new microphone because yeah, right. a cheap one um I and I don't here's the thing I've talked about this guy a couple of times on um, other podcasts and other interviews I don't know how to pronounce his last name no me neither. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Kamar. Um, I assume he's uh, of you know Asian extraction. Um, his a- his accent does sound. Uh, it sounds like he's he maybe uh, has been around Britain. Um, but it's a, it's a he's got a lovely sing song voice. Does yeah. Um, and of course, talking about sound related things, uh, the music throughout is tremendous. Again, straddling multiple genres and styles. I suppose if. Uh, if you had to say something, it would, you know, it would be, it'd be, you could say chip tunes was influenced by classic video games. Um, is that all your own work as well? Surely not. About half of it is. Okay. And uh, uh, who I else works on that? A bunch of friends of mine. Um, I, I got um, uh, a friend of mine, and uh, Danny Ailey worked on. He wrote the uh, the notes for the West Wing alike theme um and chris hampton is another longtime musician friend of mine uh, uh he, he did the arrangement for that um and actually made it sound like an orchestra was playing it and chris also provided the underwater music which turned out great yes um, fantastic uh chris's friend his his partner in crime they, ha- they have a music production company together charles roy um he wrote the um the wake up alike though the rage against the machine like song at the end which was i i thought he nailed it that was amazing and in the first try too like i just i asked him like make something like wake up and he was just here you go and it was uh it was it fit great and was was perfect and and really drove home that part of the game um and a friend of mine lewis gorenfeld wrote the uh 
the boss music. And this is maybe the the weirdest musical choice in the game, but we had, I mean, Lewis is a huge um, shmup fan, and we had just played, I think it was Darius Gaiden, mm-hmm. which has this weird, smooth jazz kind of a sound. <laughs> yeah, <thing>. yeah. <laughs> Um, and that was what he was going for. And I mean, it just struck my funny bone perfectly. Um, and another friend, um, Emily Zushi, uh, sang on that. So it was like a, nice. a whole bunch of my musical friends as well, in addition to myself making music for this game. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, and you can, uh, you can download the soundtrack separately. Yes. Yeah. Which that's is- up on Bandcamp. Cool. Um, now we have a few questions from our community and uh, co- uh, contributors to Kane and Rinse, starting with uh, James Carter. Um, complex question for this time of the morning for me and for this, this time of night for you, but let's see yeah. if we can tackle it. Uh, he says, I'd love to hear about the difficulty of balancing homage or homage with subversion. Is one inherent in the other? And how does the text adventure in particular play into that balance? So I guess... Um- Ah, cool. You, yeah, you're with him then. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand the question. I don't think they're, I don't think they necessarily go together, but in this case they did. It was, I would, I would say that in, in this particular case, they, they are occurring in the same game, but they're mostly separate. I can't really think of a, and I, of course this is like, I'm sure there's an example of this somewhere, and hopefully one of your listeners will point it out, and I'll I'll learn something. But I actually can't think of an example of where they they happen at the same time, where homage is subversion. Um, in the text, text adventure specifically, I um, well, I, I've actually already gone into my motivations for that, as trying to get people yeah. to play text adventures in order to basically to force people to actually experience one and see if they like it. Because, you know, you might. You might be surprised. Absolutely. Uh, Magic Joe F. Uh, s- slightly similar, but slightly skewed version of uh, similar question, but different. Frog Fractions plays with people's perceptions and understanding of what a game is going to be. It feels like this is starting to be something developers are willing to manipulate in a good way. Is it that the language of games is becoming established well enough to be able to play to be played with more? Possibly. I I actually get the sense that it's because um I'm sure that's a part of it, but I've actually got the sense that it's that more of the people who grew up with na- game video games being in their native language, so to speak, with mm. video game fluency are being are designers now. I think a lot of the designers, you know, in the past in the previous few decades were people who came up playing um, pinball or tabletop games or card games or board games. Um, and they don't have, it's not their native language. Um, and I, a lot of it though is also that nowadays you're seeing a lot of indie success where you're really, weird quirky visionary developers are, are getting to make this the thing that is really them and i think frog fractions is, frog fractions is an example of this where like people are saying this game is jim it's the same thing mm. it's and and i think that that sort of influence is extending out um onto the the larger game space and also people are taking games more seriously as an artistic medium as a medium 
of expression now. Um, you're seeing a lot, lot of AAA games, like whether or not it's actually good art, you're seeing a lot of aspirations with it, which I think is great. Like there was yeah. an interview with the, the Far Cry 3 writer where he was just defending to the death the idea that this game is satire of AAA shooters. Mm. Um, and I don't know if that's a really defensible position to take, but I think it's a really good uh, position to, if, if, you, if you are tasked with writing a AAA shooter, like that's maybe the best way you can do it is from that perspective, because mm. it's one of the things that like, it's so hard to satirize because it's already so self, both self-serious and at the same time as it is self-mocking. Like, yeah. The, the, the AAA shooter is just such a ridiculous genre on its face that <laughs> yeah. trying to make fun of it is almost impossible. And yeah. yet it takes itself so seriously. And I mean, that's sort of the sort of thing that. Oh, I, I don't know how I was going to finish that sentence. Anyway, that's uh, what's the next. Sentence? That's cool. No, I was just th- I was actually just thinking as you were saying that, that um, I wonder if um, the people at uh, particularly Treyarch have possibly been satirizing the first person shooter by stealth i.e they're making these massive billion dollar uh call of duty franchise sequels but actually they know very much that each of their each of their entrances uh, entrance into that lineage are completely ridiculous it's possible i don't know i i know i played um i played black ops up to the point where there's a quick time event for you to break a window yeah and put a shard of glass into a hostage's mouth and then punch him. And yeah, then that was lovely. And, and stop playing. Um, and I don't don't know if they're... If that was their intent, then and that was a, a tremendous artistic decision. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I do make all my games with the idea that anybody can walk away at any time. Like, mm. and thinking that actually, in some cases... That's the optimal, like Futilitris, for example, Futility, Pong. Those games are both games where, like, once you get it, you should stop playing. Yes. <laughs> yes, um, I found that. Uh, I, I've, I've sampled all, all the other games um, from uh, via your website. And, uh, yeah, Futilitris um, made me laugh. I'd probably played it slightly too long, but not quite as too long as some of the people who have uh, commented in the, in the comments column. <laughs> Uh, I've seen some amazing art done with utilities. <laughs> screenshots are just, they floor me. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I get it because Tetris is an addictive game, but yeah. is at some point, like at some point you're just literally being an addict. At some point you're just playing a game because you are compelled to. And I would really love it if our culture were able to better dis- distinguish between compulsion and actual enjoyment. Is it possible to play Futilitris to the point that the uh, the squares of the tetrominoes, tetriminoes are down to one pixel in size? Can can you can you go that far in theory? I I did the math on this once and I think the answer was yes. Um, there is an God. ending that it you might you might actually hit the ending before you reach that point, but it's close if if, if not. Wow. Yeah. So um, to briefly explain, I mean, you should you know listeners should should try out Futilitris. Uh, in, when you clear a line in Futilitris, it's a perfectly serviceable functional Tetris clone, um, but instead of clearing a line, uh, it expands the width of the screen. That's the short version. 
Right. And that was one of those things where um, I was surprised that no one never, no one had ever done that. Yeah. I had had that. I had had the idea for a, this was back in like 1998 for a Tetris that was, that automatically selected the worst possible piece for you. Um, and this is an idea that multiple people have had over the years and I've seen multiple variations <laughs> of it. Um, and I, at, at the time, I mean, for a long time, I was actually bitter about this because my, my version was no, no one ever paid attention to, but I mean, this is like, this is me being a sullen teenager. Um, but in this case, I think it is actually a, an idea that like I, looking back is kind of obvious, but, but no one, no one is, I've never seen it before. I've never seen that, the idea no. of doing this thing with Tetris. No, perhaps um, you know, processor power and graphical fidelity could have been considerations because, <laughs> um, you know, Possibly. yeah. Um, Roy42 from our forum asks, uh, were there an, any other game elements you wanted to implement in Frog Fractions but couldn't for any particular reason? So many, so many. Um, yeah, when when I got laid off from my web development job in August um, and I was thinking, okay, you know what, before I start really looking for a job, I want to finish Frog Fractions and I, I set the deadline of the IGF entry deadline um which is as i think mid-october and i decided okay i need to make this game i need to get this game out in a month and so i looked at all my to-do list and cut out almost everything so there is a ton of stuff that i wanted to um put in there and it was it's all it's almost all just like i didn't have the time to do it i didn't have the time to do it and still make the deadline yeah, I, I guess um, when you're working in that way, it, I'm sure it helps to set deadlines. You you said at the start about at some point you just had to release the game. I suppose it's like the the apocryphal painter who's constantly adding little you know touches and and to the point that you could keep going too far and spoil the game even. Yeah, and yeah, that's actually something I would just, I had been thinking about. Where like if I had um, one of the things I wanted to do was have multiple DDR songs, multiple dance dance or right. song game. And I, that might've just killed the pacing. Mm. That might've just been like too much for people. If I had, you know, I would probably have had to, because it's, it's funny once to, to, to fail a song miserably because you're, it's the difficulty is way too high, Yeah, but it's not funny to do that over and over again. So I would have had to have added like a difficulty selector and, um, and basically, it would kind of be like the text adventure where I'm forcing people to play Dance Dance Revolution for 15 minutes or half an hour. <laughs> on a like, keyboard, yeah. On a keyboard, yeah, which is kind of missing the point. Um, <laughs> and that was something that was totally in my to-do list, and I, and I would have eventually gotten around to it if I hadn't forced myself to release it. And absolutely, like, looking back on it, looking back on, like, now that I have some, a little bit of distance from the creation of it, I think that would have been a worse game. Yeah. If I that yeah maybe so wizard of odd asks uh the final I, I i reckon the answer to this this is me editorially interjecting is going to be no because you're an american and this is about a spectrum so but let's see the final final section reminded me of a brilliant game i used to love called millionaire on the spectrum is jim familiar with this game yeah no um i i'm imagining that uh, a millionaire um will was a clone of lemonade stand. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, 
and Lemonade Stand is is the game that I was uh, inspired by. That was uh that was by one of the I think I think it was actually by one of the people who went on to go found uh the Minnesota Educational Computer Corporation. Um, oh. I, as I recall, that game was written in the early '70s on a on a mainframe in BASIC, and then ported to the Apple II in the late '70s. Um, and I, I, it's mine is a riff on the Apple II version specifically, but it's a, it's a pretty good example of a game which is, it actually does a pretty good job teaching you, the basics of uh, economic transactions and how like how how economics works. Um, under the auspices of a fun game, it's it's pretty fun. Yeah, I pretty much um kind of bulldoze my way through that section by just minting well, more money. Is there is there another way? My game. Uh, my version of Lemonade Stand, for a while there was, and then in the week before release, I was just like trying to get everything acceptable. And one of the tester feed, some of the tester feedback I got was that, um, that game was boring because not enough different, like they, that people liked the unique events that happened, but, uh, there weren't enough of them. And so I, I, I had a balanced game at this point, but it wasn't interesting enough. Mm. And, it was I went in and added a bunch, added a bunch of events, and it just totally threw off the balance of the game. It made it much harder to win properly. Uh, just uh, we'll let you go soon. Um, just wanted to ask a little about uh, Huggy Bear, which was your Molly Jam game, uh, which is uh, based on Peter Molyneux, Adam Capone's tweet: "You are a bear, but for some reason your oxygen comes from hugging people. Problem is that hugging people breaks their bones." Um, what was your Molly Jam experience? Was that a fun time? Yeah, that was amazing. That was I. Um, there were actually two Bay, Bay Area Molly Jams, and the San Francisco one was like two hundred people. Uh, but I went went to the Oakland one, which was much more, okay. which, which was held at the uh, the Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment, which is basically like a rented office with a bunch of video games in it, which is incredible. Um, and there was room for about 30 people there. And I went to that one. It was, uh, it was a great experience. It was very like, it was great working, like working for a weekend solid, basically with a friend of mine on this project. Um, and all the people around us working and, um, watching people's games progress from basically nothing to something that was actually playable and kind of finished. Um, when, when we, uh, Brian and I had met up the day before the uh, jam started, and we were like, okay, we, we picked a tweet, and we brainstormed some ideas about what we were going to do, um, and then we went into the uh, the jam space, and there were like probably five teams in the room, and one of them had our tweet, um, so that we were rival, uh, rival uh, Oxygen Bear developers, and it turned <laughs> five teams at the San Francisco uh, jam space they also picked that tweet i think it was it's probably the easiest one to make a game about right um and that was a really fun experience it was probably the first game that i released that had actual artist art in it um mm. I'd, I'd been working on fractions before that but it, it, i'll tell you as a programmer as a programmer designer it's actually infuriating to me how much more fun good art makes a game Mm. I like you can you can take a game. This game's kind of crappy, um, and then if you add good art to it, hey, I'm having a great time. This is a fun game, and it's you just 
apparently you need artists to make a good game. <laughs> yeah, I remember having the conversation even as a kid talking about, you know, even when graphics were were becoming more sophisticated in the 80s just, you know, was it more fun was it was it any more fun playing say Operation Wolf than some old um you know, t- television game where you're just controlling a blocky crosshair shooting at crossy dots, you know, blocky dots. And um, yes, the answer is yes, it definitely is. It is more fun, and it's kind of frustrating to me that it is like both as a as a player and as a creator. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's one of the facts of life, apparently, and, and it's it's annoying, but it's it is the case. So so artists, you get to stick around for a while longer at least. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and Huggy Bear again, you know, um, play it, it's it's basically you know it's based on a on a tweet that's a joke, and um, it has good humor in it. The, you know, the um, the music change when you power up effectively is hilarious. Um, and those the, those that music was also written by Chris Hampton. Uh, he wasn't at the jam space, but he was just, he happened to be on instant messenger when we were starting the games. I was like, Hey, Chris, do you want to make music for this? And he had some free time and he just nailed it. Like I asked for, um, I asked for like, m- like MIDI guitar solos, yeah. <laughs> like, like, like you might hear in the doom soundtrack. Yeah. Um, and he just nailed it, nailed it. And like, he even did the right, like I, at, at, at one point, um, he sent me a, vis- a version with like slightly out of off key guitars and the version he fixed it. And I was like, no, put it back. It's better. It's better if it's slightly off key. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. MIDI guitar should always be slightly off key. It's one of the rules. Right. Um, have you ever, have you had any communication with Adam at all? The, the man behind Peter Molyneux? I don't think so. I'm following him on Twitter, but I think yeah. a lot, so many people are that like, I, I think he, uh, He's he's kind of a a weird celebrity now after yes. Molly Jam. Like it, everybody they, that really resonated. I watched. Um, I think it was Anna. Anna, I forget her last name. At Double Fine was who she just threw out the idea. Hey, does anybody is it? Would anybody be interested in a uh, a jam based around Peter Molly Do's tweets? Yeah, and the response was just unbelievable. And it. it I think it was in less than a month that they organized an actual jam and worldwide, it, I think there were like over a thousand attendees. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, and I think that was a, uh, it was that, that made everybody realize like how much everybody loves this guy, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I haven't, I haven't talked with him personally. Well, we're we're proud to call him a friend of the show here, and uh, hopefully he'll listen into this. I'm sure he will. Uh, I would imagine Frog Fractions is the kind of thing he'd love. Um, and yeah, if you ever get the chance to speak to him, he's a genuinely lovely guy as well. Very interesting character, but really yeah. sweet. Yeah. Um, final few questions: Will we get to see Frog Fractions on other platforms such as iOS? Surely this is the obvious place for it to be. I would love to do that, and it's a matter of. Um, Will I find the time? Will I find the money? Because I am, uh, um, I'm not in a place where I can spend a lot of time on a project uh, with no income right now. Yeah. Um, Frog mm-hmm. um, Fractions on, like, I would love to do, for example, a native PC port, right? Like, uh, and and fix, like, for example, all the uh, performance issues that Flash users are seeing. Yeah. Um, and and port it over to you know Steam, other, maybe other PC Steam, platforms. St- Steam Greenlight or something like that. Yeah, I mean Steam. I would I would like to put it on Steam. I don't know how, how feasible that's going to be. Um, Greenlight is actually a remarkably poor fit for 
for frog fractions because I can't like if you look at what people do on Greenlight is, is they um they tell you about the game. Yeah, right. They have a video and they'll hear all the cool parts of the game and they they have a bulleted point list of all the cool parts in the game. If I did that for frog fractions, that would basically ruin frog fractions. <laughs> That's true enough. Yeah, yeah. But and so if I were to get it on Steam, I would probably have to sneak it through the back door, which I'm not sure exists still. Um, mm-hmm. which back door of actually talking to people at Steam. Um, and specifically on iOS, which I believe you mentioned, um, yeah. that would be a really interesting project. It would be a, um, a weird design challenge because I, the, the, the mini games are almost all based around mouse and keyboard. And some of them like, so the ones based around the mouse would probably be the easiest fit. Um, but, but the ones where like, like how do you make DDR on an, on an iPad, you know, um, how do yeah. you make, and more importantly, how do you make DDR and a texture adventure, adventure on an iPad without a tutorial? Because a tutorial is just going to kill the committee pacing. Like iPad games usually have a fairly extensive training period just to get to the point where you can do anything at all. Just because, I mean, in in a large part, it's because um, it's such a young media, a young platform for games where people are are figuring out how how you control I, iPad touchscreen games rather. Um, and whereas PC gaming has been around for thirty years and and obviously you move with the arrow keys. That's what they're for, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. Mm. Um, I took advantage of that in, in Frog Fractions where I, I, after I ripped out all the tutorials, I just, well, I put in WASD just so you, to let you know that you should be controlling things. But mm. um, most people just understood that like, oh, I, I can move around now, but I'm not moving automatically. I guess I, I should probably check the arrow keys, you know, um, and that those work as well. And, and I don't tell you you're supposed to click the mouse to lick. No, to lick no, true. I don't tell you you're supposed to hold down the mouse button to lick to lick further, which some people have trouble figuring out, but they always get it eventually. Yeah. Um, and a tutorial very specifically puts you in the frame of mind where you're expecting to be fed the next part of the game instead of finding it. Instead of going out and, and figuring things out and seeking out actively the next part of the game and what what and and what you're supposed to be doing Mm. um and i i definitely i feel like that's kind of crucial to the essence of what frag frog fractions is which is you know discovering this under game that that you never suspected existed um if i were to make a frog fractions for ios or a game like it i think it would have to be if I were to do it the same way, like it's a collection of mini games, I think it would have to be mini games that were based on popular iPad games. Mm, okay. Um, so that people would know how to play them already. Like, I don't know, like Jetpack Joyride and Angry Birds come to mind. Yeah, Tiny Wings, yeah, all that sort of thing. Um, that's, that's a great idea. I would play that. I would buy that for a dollar in a heartbeat. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people would, and so it's a matter of like, um, where, where do I find the time to do it? You know, yeah. I've got a lot of irons in the fire right now. Like Frog Fractions kind of put my name on the map in terms of uh, people know who I am now. People care about that. People like trust my ability as a developer. So I'm getting a lot. I'm talking to a lot of people about what I could possibly be doing. Um, and I would love to do. Um, I would love to do a remake of Frog Fractions. I think a sequel 
school was probably be a bad idea. Um, I was wondering about the Lieutenant Hop franchise. You know, he could become the Dizzy uh, Egg or the uh, the Mega Man of the of the 2010s. That that would be. I mean, I I would love to make like a adventure platformer. And in fact, that's one <laughs> of the things that got that got cut when I, I um when I had to uh, when I had to cut so many of the ideas I had for mm. to get the game out the door of the platformer. Yeah, yeah, makes, that's that's one yeah. of those things about fractions. If you think about it, like you're a frog in frog fractions, but you actually never hop, you never no. jump. That doesn't seem right, does it? Yeah, it's true. Uh, one of the you know the games I didn't cite as an influence was Frogger, uh, and and you'd think that of all things, Frogger is the natural fit for Lieutenant Hop. Maybe I should have made the human play Frogger. Ah, uh, that that's a good gag. I would have I would have appreciated that. How about human, yeah, human Frogger on iOS? Or perhaps, um, you know, uh, have you got any ambitions to bring full-blown standalone games to PlayStation Network or Xbox Live Arcade? Yeah, I'd love to do that. I would love to do that. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, I don't know. Again, I don't. That would be a. It would be an easier fit for a lot of the games, but you know, how do you make a text adventure on Xbox or yes. PlayStation controller? You know, um, and it's. Uh, uh, if you know, if I were tasked with that, I'm sure I'd find something to do. But I probably I find a solution. But it would be uh, it would be weird. <laughs> it's not, not like the obvious thing to do. But yeah, no, I've got a bunch of ideas that would be better suited to those platforms. Fantastic. That's uh, that's really what I wanted to hear. Um, so final final question. Um, uh, can you tell us or at least give us a clue about one of the things, the cool things that you're working on right now? Um. Right now, I am discussing the idea of a an elaboration on Huggy Bear, actually. Ooh, okay. And I, I don't know, like I haven't signed any NDAs or anything, but I'm not sure how much I should talk about the sure. details. But um, Huggy Bear, and I didn't realize that this happens to me a lot, where I, like I realize the artistic thrust of a game like six months after I make it. Um, but in Huggy Bear, the artistic thrust is that um, games are usually about murder, and murder is a kind of reprehensible act. Mm-hmm. But the games are always set up such that um, the the world, the theme is always set up such that it is not just acceptable, but a good thing for you to go murder all these people. Um, and that's actually a really weird headspace to be in all the time, where like yeah. the most the most fun thing to do is always the, the right thing to do. It's always the morally correct thing to do. Um, and, you know, action movies do that too, where like, mm. you know, the guy, the, 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 the antagonist, you know, you wonder like, why is the antagonist working against the heroes? Oh, he's shot his own henchman. I guess he's just evil. He's just <laughs> yeah. evil and, and that's, he makes, that makes us different from us and we should kill him. Um, and in Huggy Bear, it does not have any of those, um, any of those 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 themes where like these people are not established these are just as evil these are just walking down the street they're just dudes um and yet you are compelled to kill them by game mechanics mm-hmm. um <laughs> that compulsion and in the theming of huggy bear you have the, the the bear has this compulsion to go kill these people um and feels terrible about it um and that's that's the arc that I'm hoping the, the player has where like the, the player has this compulsion to to do this terrible thing because of the, the, the system of rewards in place in the game, but also 
kind of an awful thing that you're doing. Yeah, it's anything um, not to be game overed, basically. Yeah, and and it's exactly as you say. Um, as the, it's the art of Huggy Bear, even in even in the jam version that you made, um, which in which you can unlock concept art, which is a good gag in itself. Um, I I love that 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 happened. Like I, I watched I watched Brian work. He drew he drew he drew stuff on paper first. I was like, oh my god, we can. I can probably code up a concept art screen in like 15 minutes. Yeah. And take graphs of this paper. I have unlockable concept art in this jam game. And concept art is like a joke in itself. Yeah, totally. Like concept art is like the thing like, oh, I got an unlockable. That's great. Oh, it's concept <laughs> Actually, two of the things we were just talking about came up recently when we were talking about uh, Akami. Um, a, firstly, the, the idea of doing good things in a game, which is what you do in mostly in Akami. I mean, you do kill demons, but you go around spreading joy and happiness much of the time. And also... That's a game in which you unlock concept art and you go, brilliant, I've unlocked concept art because this game is fucking stunning. Right, yeah. Well, I mean, in, in, in Okami, and I guess in all games where you unlock concept art, you're actually looking at that art all the time. So the idea that you might un- look at, unlock more art with the same thing that you're already looking at, it isn't that exciting. Yeah. I suppose when I, it's the supremely talented artists at, at some, you know, Clover Studio, you... It's nice seeing their paintings, basically. I mean, maybe if it were on a wall, but you know, when it's on your TV and at a tiny resolution, I, I've just I mean, maybe I should have looked at the concept art in Okami because I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth doing. Okay, yeah, but I mean, I you know what? I would absolutely go to a um, a museum exhibit of, of of that artist's art. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but I, I I'm not you know feeling like taking a break from a game to like look at it on a tiny screen yeah no fair enough um but yes uh huggy bear is a is a sad and lovable character uh doomed to his eternal or her uh, he's in such a bad place i know he's, he's so sympathetic i know it's um it is heartbreaking well yeah i would i hope that comes to fruition i'd love to see an expanded uh take on huggy bear on whatever platforms um and with that because it's gone midnight where you are uh we'll let you go and i'd like to say jim crawford thank you enormously for taking the time to join us on cana rinse yeah yeah it's been it's been fun thank you so much and uh yeah we'll look forward to see whatever you come up with next